Welcome to Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. In this podcast, I chat to athletes, coaches, and industry professionals about their sporting journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. Guests range from Olympians to the everyday lover of sport, but the message stays the same. There is so much more to sport than what meets the eye. Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify so you don't miss the release of each new episode. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. I'd love to hear from you. Before introducing this week's guest, I'm jumping in to let you know about a special Instagram giveaway happening right now. Brooke Stratton, Olympic long jumper and guest in season one, has kindly donated part of her 2016 Rio Olympic uniform to one special follower. With Tokyo coming up and Brooke literally jumping onto her second Olympic team, what a special piece of memorabilia. Head over to our Instagram page at Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart to enter. Entries close on Sunday the 30th of May at 10am Melbourne time. Read through the Instagram post to check out all the terms and conditions. Good luck! This week's guest is Lindsay Trotter. A member of the Speedway racing community, Lindsay started off his motorsport journey racing motocross before moving to karting and then sprint cars. Now he uses over 40 years of expertise as a crew chief of a team. Dad and Lindsay are good friends and I've known Lindsay for as long as I can remember, so much so that he took me out for a driving lesson whilst I was first learning how to drive. I've always admired his passion for motorsport. That's enough for me, let's get into the chat with Lindsay. So Lindsay, can you tell us about your sport and how you got into it? Well, my current sport is um, speedway racing with sprint cars. I guess how I got into it, sprint cars are the pinnacle of speedway and I started in a much lower class and um, I guess eventually you kind of walk, work your way up the ladder while the budget allows it. You know, I don't race them now, I'm just the crew chief on a team that does race them. How did you like start off with what you mentioned before you started in footy? Um, yeah, well, back in the school days, um, I played... Uh, eventually from a young age played in two different competitions one game on a saturday and one game on a sunday which took up four nights of training mm-hmm. and then school team so i had five nights of training and three full games of football through the week and um yeah i think after doing that for many years until i turned around 19 i think uh the i think i started to mature and learn that the harder you put in the whole team doesn't necessarily put in. And so uh, I started to look around for alternative sports. Um, My brother-in-law was racing motocross at the time and doing quite well. I love motorcycles. So I kind of thought, okay, make the step to some other sport that it's very individual. Mm -hmm. I call call it greedy almost, but um, what you put into it is what you get out of it. Yeah. And you've only got one person to blame if you don't do well, and that's you. Yeah, it's not, the outcome is not dependent on other people. Mostly, yes. Yeah. Yes. So, um, like at football training, you could train your heart out, you could play your best game, but if the rest of the team weren't acting like a team and you lost, then the disappointment was evident, you know. Even if it was your best game. Even if it was my best game. Um, I was very lucky on the other side because I played 
for the Pines Football Club and a uh, very strong club and we were always challenging for the grand final from my memories and um, and so I was very lucky not to just be a also ran every year and we're always there you know at the pinnacle kind of thing but um, but if you got beaten you, you walked away saying oh if only those guys had put in harder we would have won and yeah. such and so yeah that's why I moved on to motorsport and so you did motocross, motocross which yeah. is on a motorbike yeah on on um yeah off-road tracks and yeah and such and um yeah I, I raced those for probably a good five or six years we raced in tassie during easters and yeah, it was a great club atmosphere made a couple of really good friends which were still friends today oh awesome um, yeah it was one of those things that you put the effort in and you get the rewards yeah and then you also went into go-karting well yeah um I was manager of a hire company at the time, and uh, so I really—I had to, my boss got really sick with cancer, and so I missed out on training for probably five, six weeks. And we rode a push bike and swum thirty laps every night um, to stay fit. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't do that, and our, and I was a secretary of their club, I kind of felt obligated to help the club. Every year, to uh, we had a challenge against Rosebud Motorcycle Club, and so you know didn't want to let your friends down, and so we went racing, and yeah, I had a big crash and knocked myself out and put my back out, my neck out, and I probably from that day forward, I never really got back on the bike. I was pretty scared of it, to be honest. Um, I knew what level of fitness it took to achieve your goal, and I could not get back to that fitness not easily yeah and so i thought uh maybe it's safer to go to four wheels yeah. and say so you trade the two-wheeler into a four-wheel go-kart and then had to learn virtually a whole new sport yeah yeah so how long did you do go-karting for yeah probably about the same about four or five years yeah same thing made a couple of really good friends and we raced all around the state everything i did i kind of took it very very seriously probably People would say I was over-focused on things and your family life kind of suffers from that. But that's that's the only way I see you could get faster or get ahead. Yeah. And was this before you had the two girls? During. During, okay. Pretty much. Yeah. And so wife Jan was stuck home with babies and I was out. Um, she called the party life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were out uh, racing carts and trying to do it as serious as possible. But we, when you... When you work hard, you party hard, and so that's kind of how, how we did. <laughs> yeah, like there's an evolution in terms of motorsport. Yep. What What happens after go-karting? Um, yeah, after go-kart, um, I guess uh, I was lucky enough to know Dave Bushkill and, and actually know a guy that w- watched him grow and win an Australian championship, and I knew what he had to put aside to do that, and I guess I didn't feel that I really wanted to achieve that in such a way and so I saw the opportunity to move into Speedway which Jan's cousin was racing this particular class it was mm-hmm. called Limited Sportsman um, open wheel car uh, six on the red motor Holden and um, and I could see that a lot of uh, effort was not only at the track but what you put into it in the garage at home the more you can make yourself the more you understand about it the faster you'll go and it was that type of beginner type class that really suited me because uh, and I had a lot of help from a lot of different people as well. But the first night out, I actually swapped my twin engine go-kart for my first race car. 
And the first night out, I ran third. And people came up and said, oh, wow, you know, and I'm looking and saying, well, I wanted to win. <laughs> I've only run third. But then six weeks later, I ran in a state championship and I ran third again. Oh, that's not bad. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. And, and, and motorsport, there's always a lot of luck involved. But, yeah, that was the start of, uh, I guess, the being hooked <laughs> yeah yeah that's well my next question was that was there a specific moment so that was that, that was yep yep that was 1992 yeah ran third in the state championship and um but wow you know and from there we just progressed on and i probably stayed in that class probably seven years or so finished second in south australian title third another third in a, in the victorian title and to run in a victorian title was almost you could call it world title because there would be 50 cars turn up mm-hmm. and you have to qualify into the top 16 or 18 cars to have a shot at winning. And so it was a hard job. Yeah, hard just to get into yep. the final race. Yep. Yeah, that was the challenge, I guess. And um, I, I should have won state titles. I was leading by half a lap at times. But same old thing in the old motor racing story, you know, the $2 spring breaks or something breaks and you're sitting on the infield with steam coming out your ears and saying, why, 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 why didn't I make that stronger or why didn't I? But so it was kind of like a test on your own engineering as well as anything else. The building of your car, like your cars yourself, how does that work? A lot of hours in the garage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of help and a lot of questions to friends. And, you know, you develop, I've made some really, really good friends over the years. I was probably the biggest pest to them asking them so many questions. Um, bit of paper and a pencil and a rule and trying to make a plan of how i'm going to build this and what's the important things to build it why does it have this why does the suspension work better that way why doesn't this and, and so on all these silly technical questions but people actually know the answers to those you've just got to find them and uh and then oh of course i made things too weak at the start and then i made them stronger and then they were too strong and you know so i think over the years you develop what should be right and what is is going to fail and so like they say you can't put an old head on young shoulders well now I'm the old head and I can look at a lot of younger guys cars and think that's going to fail and uh, and I really really love to help a sharp young guy to achieve his goals because I've got it all <laughs> your head yeah. yeah pass on the knowledge yeah yeah you feel like you have to in, <laughs> in a way yeah are there any significant milestones, like wins, losses, or injuries along your way? So you said you had that accident on the, on the bike. Yeah. Are there any others? Um, go-karts is relatively safe. I did have one rollover, but that was not really that bad. Then in Speedway, I moved on different classes, going to faster classes each time. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I had some pretty significant rollovers and crashes and they probably hurt your pocket much more than your body. Mm-hmm. Um, the safety issue is pretty safe sport. Um, there's lots of strict rules. But uh, I did have one big, big crash in my sprint car. I only had three short seasons in the sprint car um, because budget is everything. They used to say back then it was around two or $3,000 a night to run your car. And, of course, you've got to work many hours of what I was doing to make that sort of money. Yeah. And without help. Not necessarily sponsorship, but without help from a chassis builder and a motor builder and other people, it is really, really hard for that tight budget. But yeah, I had a really, I was really getting the hang of that sport and um, had a big, big crash and knocked myself unconscious. And I think the repairs to the car were probably $10,000. 
and you just think one crash $10,000, how does one afford it? I think that probably slowed my progress down quite significantly. <laughs> and then that was going back into the probably 2010 thereabouts. Yeah. But I was lucky enough to pit crew with um, a friend of mine, Brad Foster, mm -hmm. and we raced in the States for a few years in a row. I uh, spent six to seven weeks over there racing weekly. Of course, met a lot of new friends and we're still in touch today and I learnt quite a lot racing with Brad. Then um, that kind of drew to a close and I bought a caravan and went fishing for a season. Didn't even go near a speedway. Yeah. I really missed it though, really missed it. And I uh, met up with an, old, uh, with an old friend that used to race juniors with my daughter, with Jay. And, uh, and he said, where have you been? And I told him and he said, oh, I could do with some help. I plan to do 45 races this year and I said yeah no problem so I went and helped him and I probably realized then that I had more talent than what I gave myself credit for first night out we started on the front row we ran second and I didn't have to worry about working on his car so much because he lived in Warrnambool but every week we'd go racing and we'd finish up with some sort of result so I was getting a lot of enjoyment out of it um, he had a couple of really good sponsors that paid a lot of the bills had I'd lived closer to him or had that sort of been a lot better, I would have helped him a lot more on the car maintenance, etc. And uh, it probably would have made his life a lot easier to concentrate on more driving. But we finished second in the main series here in Victoria and just about everything we finished second in, crack championships and other things. And, you know, we sort of reached a, a bit of a milestone with, together, which I'm pretty proud of. Then with, it, with the current boss... Um, he always wanted to start off his own sprint car team and he had been into boat racing at the top level in Australia so he knew what costs were all about and what motorsport really costs. I took him along to help or watch us race over the last couple of years and he kept telling me oh, I really want my own team and eventually uh, lashed out and um, he bought a truck and a trailer and a race car and we put it all together and started racing. Um, with Cam Waters as our driver. I think I've had to learn a lot more than what I used to do because uh, I'm the main man that has, that has to be accountable for engine uh, maintenance and and uh, all that type of thing. And um, shock absorbers or dampers, as they like to call them, is, um, is the, biggest, um, the biggest thing uh, to do at the moment. And they're very, very technical. Uh, we probably using a shocker that nobody else in sprint cars you, it, drivers use and yeah it's it's um really testing <laughs> really testing anyway i sort of skipped over something there because um before that started actually i was helping a couple of guys in the old limited sportsman class and uh one of them crashed his car really big and i said well don't throw it away i might be able to fix it i was looking for challenges after hours and such so i got to working on this car and um set up a workbench at home, a, a jig, and found out all the right technical information about what suspension points have to be and every other thing. So I started welding it all at home and with the help of Greg Foster from DNF Racing. And before long, I had a car back together and I asked him when he wanted to race again. And he sort of turned around and said, no, well, I think I'm going to give it a miss. I said, well, what are you going to do with this? He said, no, it's yours. And I said, well, oh, okay, well, I've come this far, I might as well race it. And it had been 20 years, nearly to the day since I've raced this class. And we got the car going, borrowed his motor, uh, went to the racetrack, and it happened to be the Victorian title. 
and I went out and I won it. And so there is a rule that you have to run two or three meetings in those classes before you can race a title. But because they knew that I'd raced 20 years earlier, that they'd class me as a, a contender, I guess. And uh, yeah, I went out and won the race. So that was pretty incredible. I'm going to get you to elaborate there because I remember you telling me about this a few months ago. So what yeah. happened during that race? Well, the same again, you have to qualify. There wasn't the 50 cars we used to get earlier. There's probably only 25 or 30 cars, but you still have to get into the top 16. And I'd never raced the car, only sat in it in and out, sort of thinking I'll put this in the right spot and that in the right spot. And uh, when I went to race, we had a fuel problem. The car would go, then stop, then go, then stop. But I was good enough to run second in the heat race and get some points. The next race, of course, I had an army of friends and helpers in the pits to help us work through things. And once you've worked on top level cars, sprint cars, to go back to these classes, a lot of guys that haven't had anything to do with sprint cars and they only know their car in that lower beginner type class, they don't understand what it takes to make something elite. And sort of sounds a bit odd, but you have to apply everything in your knowledge to make the car the best it can be. And after you've worked on the best there is, it's easy to see what's right and what's wrong when it comes to suspension. And on dirt racing, suspension is just about everything. So yeah, we worked worked our tails off. The second heat race, I actually got into a really, really good battle, um, run third or fourth or fifth. And the car, we were swapping positions as the race went. It's only 10 laps, but there was yeah lots of uh, changing positions. And I think I ran third or fourth. But that was the best races that are going to be there on the night. So I knew that I was in the mix. I knew that I was fast enough at that stage of the night to be competitive. And that's what you plan to be. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd come off there. But, but the motor, it was pumping oil everywhere. There was smoke everywhere. And so we had to work our butts off on another problem on it. So we fixed that. Went out for the third race. And we ran pretty, pretty good. And all the time... We were improving as the night went on. So when it comes to the final race, I think I started mid-pack out of 16 cars. And it didn't take long, and I'm, I'm running third or fourth and challenging, passing, uh, move up the next bit. And I, I know I was in third for quite a while. And my good friend was running second. And I thought, wow, if I can finish behind him, I'm really doing well. Yeah. Well, I passed him. <laughs> and next thing you know, I'm up against the champion. And, uh, and he used to race against me back in the 90s, so he knows his stuff really not really well. His name's Jock Baker. He comes from Horsham. And I was all over his tail tank, and I thought, wow, this is it. I've got to put my head down and work hard. And you've got about 25 or 30 laps to do it in. Well, next thing you know, he pulled up. He had a broken uh, gearbox, but I just missed him. I nearly rode his wheel, and I would have ended up upside down. But luckily, my brakes worked, and... Uh, he pulled to the infield, so I've inherited the lead in, in such a way. Well, the race progressed. No one was coming up to challenge me. Probably the last five laps, I had no energy left at all. And I'm not saying I'm a fit sports person by any stroke. I, I could relate to the poor bugger doing his marathon, the, the last 100 metres, he collapses. You know, yeah. Because that's how I felt in the car. I couldn't even hold my head up. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And that was only a few years ago. Yeah, two. Two years <laughs> two or ago. Three. Oh my gosh! So you had a twenty-year break, and then you come back and you won. That's amazing, Lindsay. That's pretty special. And I guess like my next one 
is you're you're a dad of two girls. Did both girls get into car racing? No, I did build a car. I had a car half built in the garage for a little while and Jan said, look, if you don't finish that car this year, you can get rid of it. Yeah. Because both girls were pretty competitive in dancing and I tried to go watch dancing, but it's like watching grass grow to me. <laughs> so I pulled my finger out, finished the car and the younger one, Jodie, decided to jump in and have a steer. And she grew up as a bit of a tomboy and I'd finished racing some of those days back in the early 90s and and I'd come in and she'd say, Dad, why didn't you pass him? Dad, why didn't you put that tyre on? Dad, why didn't you? She was full of good helping sort of um, advice. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, 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 Jodie. But anyway, this time, right, I'm going to put her on the spot. Put her in the race car. And that opened up a whole new different view of speedway racing for me because when you're focused on a class and you're focused on your progress and mm-hmm. you really don't have time to lift your head up and know what else is going on but when you've got your daughter in the car it's a real whole new social life like there's other parents out there and there's other <laughs> people that they want to offer advice and they want to they want to help but you're like um how do I take the help do you get <laughs> offended do you you know try and not be rude and everything else and then other people that knew that I'd raced were coming up asking my questions about how many times did I win that feature race and do this and did that? And all. I'm like, oh, I don't really keep count. Like, <laughs> you're just too focused on the next race. Yeah. Well, when Jody started racing, she couldn't even keep up with the roll around laps ready for a green flag. And when she came in after the first race, I'll never forget it. She was so, I'm not going back out there. And I really swore at her. I said, you're going back out there. And I really had to lay it on the line for her, like, get stuck right into her you know and and uh it didn't take long by the end in the first race i think she was lapped three times and that's terrible that's really slow yeah but by the end of that day she didn't get lapped at all oh wow it just started coming natural yeah and uh, she stayed in juniors for a while as long as it takes and i think you've got to race till you're 17 in juniors and i progressed up the line with different class cars um 500 horsepower car and she said dad can i race that all the other kids have got their dad's cars and whatever. I said, yeah, you can have a crack. So I only had to run at Avalon for the last time and finish in the top 10. I, won the, I would have won the track championship, but I made a promise to my daughter that she could race it. Oh. And so my, my brother really told me off for that one. But I said, no, I made a promise to my daughter. To me, winning is everything to me, but you've made a promise. You have to keep it. And it's your daughter who comes first. Yeah. And so so I gave her the big lecture at the start of the race. You know, you have to start at the rear. Don't bother trying to race people. Just test the accelerator. Test, test the brakes. Just relax. Just don't worry about mixing it with other cars. I want you to bring the car home straight because it's easy to bend the car on speedway. Mm-hmm. Well, she did exactly what I said, but she ran third. And she said, Dad, they're so slow. <laughs> <laughs> yep, <laughs> you're dead right. You know, you sort of have to take a little bit of credit because she's watched you so many years. She's been out in the garage. She got, you know, up to her elbows in grease and oil and whatever it took to, you know. And so, yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's an awesome experience, I guess, to share with your daughter. Like, I guess dad never had a sport that he got to bond with me and rage with. So, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. like it's it's nice to have that. Yeah, you can go fishing and you can teach kids fishing and you can play Lego blocks if that's what turns you on. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it, it's nothing like it's. I don't know what you get out of racing. It must be something to do with acknowledgement from your peers or or from people on the other side of the fence. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it is. Um, if you stay focused enough, you don't even know people are around. Yeah. You, you're so focused on what you're trying to achieve. And I understand no matter what sort of racing, it doesn't matter if you want to race, you know, unicycles. Mm-hmm. I think if you're focused enough, you'll be successful. Yeah. Mm. So what are the benefits sport has provided you as an individual that has, you know, maybe transferred over to other avenues of your life? Probably friendships. Just jumping in here to elaborate on Lindsay's meaning of friendships. For some background information, last year, his youngest daughter, Jodie, was diagnosed with breast cancer. Lindsay wanted to share how the whole Speedway community really banded together to help his family. In particular, Lee Vanderginken, who ran multiple raffles, raising over $3,000 for Jodie. Another special mention went to Casey BMX Club, where Lindsay's grandchildren ride, who ran a Mother's Day raffle and donated the proceeds towards Jodie's treatment. Both Lindsay and his wife Jan are overwhelmed and extremely grateful for all the love, support and help their family has received, especially in the last 18 months. The impact that both these sporting communities showed did not go unnoticed. It is another important reflection of how being involved in sport can be so much more than just the performance side of things. Is there a lesson you've learnt along the way that you want to share? I've learnt that to succeed, you have to focus. It doesn't matter if you don't understand what makes a champion or what makes you win. Yeah. You have to learn what that is. Mm-hmm. And, and information is everything. And if you need to go to the guy that beats you every week and try to pump him for information or look at what his car is differently, what just ask as many questions as you can get away with and learn as much as you can because there's no reason why he can keep beating you. And you have to learn how to beat him. Unfortunately, uh, in the cheaper classes, you learn that people like to say, oh, he's cheating. That's the easiest way to, to, to say it. And, and it's a bad way to look at life. But I think, yeah, you need to you need to focus hard. And that person you're racing against is just another human being. Yeah. And and if you've got two arms and two legs, you should be able to beat him too. And that's, that's what I've learned. With knowledge that you learn over the journey... What do you do with the knowledge, you know? You kind of want to pass it on or feel I should pass it on to somebody that's up and coming or someone that's... um. It's all well and good to look back at your trophies or your, you know, whatever you've won over the years and memories and things, but I think unless you use it with something, what's it been for? Yeah. And so I'd, I'd like to say that to pass on your information and see that person being successful is kind of... um rewarding yeah yeah it's pretty special that you're able to pass on you know many many years of that sport Mm. and pass it on to someone else to maybe make their journey a little bit easier and you know some of those lessons you had to learn the hard way maybe they don't have to learn that the hard way well if you sort of scan back 40 odd years and you say why didn't i meet somebody like me yeah and and when i think of it i did meet a couple of older guys and i used to pester the hell out of asking questions not really understanding what i was asking but i guess somehow i must have learned something from them i remember going to a track 
uh, Mount Gambier. And I ran second there for the first time out. Never even seen the trap. But I pumped that old fella. Where do they run? Where did the cars go? What sort of track is it? What's the track made of? And, and just so many different questions. And then you go there with some degree of success. Yeah. And so I think, well, I must have done my homework. Yeah. You know? And and, uh, and that's kind of how I feel today. I, th I think, you know, you need to pass on as much information as you can to somebody who is as keen as I was. Yeah. Who's yeah. thirsty for that knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to try to get the reward back out of their success would be pretty cool. Yeah. Have you been involved in a project where sport has been used as a tool to develop the community? I know you've donated to some of my 24-hour mega swims yeah. in the yeah. past. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, our sport in motorsport's a pretty greedy kind of sport, I guess. Greedy, I don't know if that's the right word, but everyone's got a budget to race with. Yeah. And, and there's not too much money left if you're going to spend all that budget on racing. And um, I kind of think you've got to try to have that balance between life and, and that. No, I'm not sure that it would... Uh, well, Warnable, for instance... Uh, they have a, a big race meeting there every January. It's called the Warnable Grand Annual Sprint Car Classic. And that brings millions of dollars to the Warnable area. Wow. Millions. It's, um, at one stage there, there was up to 120 race cars over two nights. Well, they've brought that out to three nights now. We had some of the top American drivers. We had the best Australia's got to offer and some from New Zealand. And if you can make it into the feature race of 24 cars, you know that you're successful right there. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to have a lot of luck on your side, a lot of money to help you race. And that's probably our biggest challenge at the moment, to try to make that fastest 24 to make the feature race. Um, yeah, I've witnessed some other guys that have, um, you know, been fast enough to go in there and race and talk to them and everything. And in fact, one one of the more recent winners, Corey, um, he comes with us racing and um, he used to come around every Sunday morning and pump you for information <laughs> and then he used that information to go and win the Classic, which is just amazing. And I'm not trying to say oh, I helped in any way, but uh, but to see him do that and watch him develop and now he's helping me, is yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. yeah, and I yeah. think the fact that you are passing all that knowledge and experience onto the younger generations, like that is developing the community and it's developing especially the sprint car community. So Yeah, I guess. I guess in that light. Yeah, yeah, probably. But motorsport's one of those things where you can never stop learning. Yeah. It's it's not about technique is this or technique is that because mechanical things change and technology changes. And exactly. Exactly. So um no, you never stop learning. All you've got to do is try to um, get the old brain ticking over to learn it, to, to accept that learning. That's, yeah. the, hard, that's the challenge today. <laughs> yes. Now, you can answer this in general, as a sport in general, or you can answer it, you know, specific to motorsport. Yep. Where do you see the future of sport? Well, in Speedway, so long as, uh, well, that's a hard question. Like we saw Parramatta Raceway kind of close up in Sydney and that they're, they're talking about developing another area or they've already started or whatever, but it's kind of like the call to Thunderdome in a way. It just, it just has weeds growing through it now and it's very sad to see that. And I'd hate to think that 
motorsport would end up like that one day. You'd like to think um, with more help to keep juniors interested, um, there's huge benefits for, uh, well, my daughter for one, learning to drive at uh, a race car at 13. When it came time to, to drive on the road, man, I could have gone to sleep in her car like, <laughs> while she was driving because she, her vision, her reactions, everything was so sharp where my other daughter who didn't race, I was hanging on tight. <laughs> and uh, and I just think um, from that in itself, you That's know, a benefit. There, there has to be someone like like parents take their kids to Auskick, they need to take them to a speedway track where they can drive a real car at real speed and learn real skills. Yeah. You know, I think that would be uh, pretty special. Yeah, and you taught me how to drive. Do you yeah. remember at one stage? When we went, no, you don't remember. We went yeah. away. I think it was the, along the Omeo Highway. I think that's where we went. Okay. And it was really, really windy, and we drove yep. to town and back. Okay. I think I was under 15 hours yep. on my L's. Okay. So you got a pretty fresh Fiona. <laughs> you don't remember it. No, honestly, no. Mustn't have been too no. traumatic it then. Have been <laughs> <laughs> I do remember our camping trip, though. Yeah, yeah it was that trip. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, all right, Fiona, let's go. Let's have a lesson in on the windy Romeo yep. well, Highway. And well, there you go. Did I scare you? Did I yell at you? No. Well, I think it was because Dad had just yelled at me. And you, <laughs> you were a more patient teacher than he was. Yeah. 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 Well, I think you know, as soon as you yell, people clam up and close up and don't accept things, and yeah, that's not the way to go. <laughs> and I guess because Jody's the youngest, so you taught Cassie how to drive. And saw the like the very stark difference. Oh, huge difference! Yeah, huge. Yep, yep. I think they're both really good drivers today. They've both had a number of hours on the road, you know, as yeah. licensed drivers now. But when for a learner driver to have that experience behind them is gold. Yes. And uh, it doesn't matter what it costs if it's going to save their life or give them a big advantage on the road. Then mm -hmm. I think that's a big head start. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's a good opinion, and I. Like, guess I always looked at swimming as the only kind of sport that would save your life. But now you've opened my eyes. It's really no, like motorsport yeah. would save your life as well because you know how to A, handle your car yep. and B, you have Avoid that, yeah, yep. you yep. have that perception yep. of what's around you and you've learned it at an age. That is a life-saving skill just as swimming is and learning yeah. to swim. So there we well, go. Well, I noticed it. It's not in my mind today, but uh, I'll tell you, when, when the kids were learning, there's no doubt about it that, I'll put my girl, you know, Jody, a long, long way ahead of the average person that yeah. didn't have that skill. Yeah. Yeah, they're more aware of what a car can do and not do and the, the other silly drivers we've got to contend with every day. Yeah. And do you have any recommendations like where you see sport in the next in the next year? I know, have you watched Drive to Survive on Netflix? Drive to Survive? It's Formula One. No. Yeah. Well, I very highly recommend it. Yeah. Todd and I have okay. been binging it every night yeah. for the okay. last two weeks. But, I, like, I guess that's really opened my eyes to what really happens behind the scenes. And it's not just the driver, it's the crew, it's the engineers, it's all that. It was all about Formula One. Yeah, teams, it's the top. Yeah, it's Red okay. Bull. It's, um, yeah. I don't yeah. remember the other ones. But yeah. Ferrari, R Renault, Renault yeah. yes, oh, Daniel Ricciardo. Mm. Yeah. yeah, all of that. Yep. Yeah. Max Staffan, is that for Staffan? Oh, close. Yeah. <laughs> See, I haven't been involved with any what I term top-rate driver, drivers until this year. We yeah. Can. 
I've never met such a focused person. He is so focused. And like I said, we clashed heads a lot early. I think now today we're getting along really well and our results are getting better and better. We knew there'd be a period of time where you do your, your apprenticeship and you crash the car a lot. Yeah. And that's what happens in sprint cars, unfortunately. But but his crashes are fewer and far between now and, um, and he can really give you true feedback that you can actually deal with and, and make a good decision on how we're going to improve. At Easter time, we raced twice at Mildura on a Friday and a Sunday. On the Friday night, we had to go through a B main, which is a, you know, to qualify for the A main. Um, we won that by miles. In fact, had he have, uh, not sort of taken it a bit easy at the start, I'm sure we would have lapped the whole field. Mm. And it wasn't till about the fourth or fifth lap that he actually started driving it like a sprint car. And when he came in at the end, he said, what'd you think? And I said, mate, now you finally drove it like a sprint car, I can actually see what the car needs. And we can make a few adjustments to the feature race. And he's got a lot of skill, don't get me wrong. He, does, he doesn't need to learn just sprint cars. His skill alone is incredible. We came in with two completely bald tyres. They were smooth as. And I'd say probably lucky to get another five laps out of them before they worn right through. A lot of other cars were smoking tyres, wearing them out for no reason at all. And he didn't do any of that. He, oh, yeah. he saved the tyres. And um, it would have been nice to finish further up the line. But um, but still, you can only work with what you've got. And he did an amazing job. I'm sure that, you know, like I said, I want to be part of a winning team. And I'm sure our time will come, proving more and more all the time. And, um, yeah, we're going off to Darwin in probably July to race a bit up there. So Ooh, nice. So yeah, not only warm weather but um yeah, it's a it's a big challenge. There's gonna be all the top drivers from Australia there and we're gonna be in there in the mix. In the mix. Yeah. Oh that's awesome. Really cool. Yeah and, and there's another friend that I've met up there in Darwin that's offered accommodation and everything else for us and a place to work and so it's pretty cool. It's it you just it's still a place you know, in Speedway, you can meet a lot of good people and people really want to be part of the success and the help and everything else. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, you've got a very exciting year ahead and the the journey between, you know, you, Cam, and the team seems like it. Yeah, well, at this stage, um, he has to put supercars <laughs> above and beyond everything. So we've got a, you know, pause here and there. But, but I think in general, um, he's so keen. Yeah. And I'm sure that if we can keep everything up to him as we need to, I'm sure success will come. Yeah. yeah. Oh, very exciting. Well, yeah. Lindsay, thank you so much for sitting down with me today and and talking me through your journey and the lessons you've learned. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it too. I'm sorry I get emotional. But... <laughs> no, I think it's good. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. This is a completely independent podcast that has been created to share the journey and lessons of top level sporting professionals, but also your everyday lover of sport. If you liked this podcast, I'd really appreciate if you could leave a review and share it with someone who you think would also enjoy it. Until next time.